You're listening to Leading Virtual Teams with me, Dr. Mara Deepwell. Welcome to this very special episode where we welcome a guest onto the podcast and go back all the way to the origins of Leading Virtual Teams. We're turning back the clock, but we're also looking ahead. So without further ado, let's get on with the episode. Well, thank you very much for listening, everybody, um, to this episode with a very special guest. And although I don't think he really needs an introduction, um, I'm going to ask you to introduce yourself shortly. I want to preface that with like a heartfelt welcome. I'm so thrilled that you're joining me back in the virtual teams, blogging and podcasting. It's been a while. So welcome, Martin Hawksey. Hello, man. Thanks for having me. It's like good old times. <laughs> Uh, it's really interesting um I'll, I'll to quickly for those that don't know my name is martin hoxie so i used to work for alt for a number of years uh with Marin. so um more recently i've uh kind of pivoted into the world of um, software development um so i work now for a google partner so we specialize in our team in terms of supporting customers with google workspace so uh some of that is kind of day-to-day how to get the best out of Google Workspace and its productivity tools like Sheets and Docs. And some of that is um, doing development um, for custom solutions for for customers as well. Oh, awesome. Well, I'm so thrilled and I'm looking forward to having that conversation and kind of benefiting from your insight into all of that um, space that is happening. But um, I think it's, it's particularly interesting, given that our kind of interest in hybrid working proper started when we were both working for old and, um, you know, we've both moved on to new worlds. And um, but this is a continuing interest. And um, mm. when I, you know, obviously I'm doing the um, I did the course on hybrid working recently and I've been looking back at some of our um, blog posts that we wrote in kind of 2018 and 2019, 2020. Um, and so many of the issues just uh, kind of still feel really relevant to me and I guess because we were you know doing the hybrid working transition prior to the pandemic it's been interesting for me to kind of look back and think like oh Mm. you know how has that changed through the pandemic where so many more people suddenly all kind of started to do working from home and in the pod and the blog post rather I've linked at the beginning to some of the kind of um, pieces of work that I've been looking at sort of on the policy and kind of research front around um, sort of flexible working in the UK Um, and yeah, it's been really interesting to kind of see how things have evolved. Um, so from your perspective, sort of how how are things changing in hybrid working and what is the thing that you're currently, things that you're currently interested in? I think it's quite interesting that, you know, we obviously spent a lot of time thinking about how best to support a team um, mm-hmm. using the tools that we had. I've, I've still got the same tools, but I still feel in terms of how those tools are used effectively is an, a never ending story. Um, it's quite interesting recently um, as within our team we've been looking at how to replicate more of what you get in terms of benefits of being co-located in the office in an online space Um, so really exploring um, we use we tested some uh, kind of very skeuomorphic type software where we had a a virtual office that we could wander around (laughs) and Mm -hmm. chat to each other um but i think you know that was very expensive it definitely had its benefits um so trying to unpick what it was about that that we can replicate using our existing tool so um i think there's it it is that evolving practice and just working out uh, how how to use the the tools effectively but it doesn't end there it's in terms of culture and leadership within business 
businesses, I think there's a lot of work still to be done in terms of um, just setting, you know, the standard of how how you get engage, how how you can work effectively as a, a team that's not in the same office. Mm-hmm. I agree. There is like um, when I was reading what you've written in the post, um, and we've linked it out in the show notes as well for those of you listening who want to read our ramblings as well as listen to them. There, I like. The, I think there are a number of aspects that I'm really um, curious about. One of them, we spent a huge amount of time blogging about, but I don't think we were kind of um, as like I don't think we were aware of how how valuable it really was at the time that we wrote it was that I think so much hybrid working discourse around the skills is all about how an individual employee can function. Mm. You know, what are the skills you need to be an effective hybrid worker? How can you be productive? How can you communicate? But actually, I think there is that other that we wrote about a lot, which is like managing and supporting people who are then doing that. And I think that's a different skill set. And that's like a sense of awareness and, you know, a, a kind of, you know, being very consistent and being over communicative and setting an example and all those sorts of things that we explored. And I think at the time, it didn't really occur to me how how valuable that kind of perspective was, because I think we never had the experience of sort of not thinking about it. We just kind of thought, oh, we're taking the organization to be a virtual team. We need to think about it from the beginning. Um, So that's definitely one piece I'm really interested in. And then there's another piece which I'm interested in, which is sort of about, you know, to what extent do I want the technology to solve the problem? You know, to Mm -hmm. what extent do I want to have an office where I can walk around virtually Mm -hmm. or like, you know, or like I haven't seen the 3D, um, you know, um, project that you that you're going to talk about but like you know how much do mm. i want video calling to be so good that i'm basically in the same room as someone mm. and how much do i want to not have any technology to stare at and how much do i want to just have a phone call <laughs> because maybe that's a better quality mm. of connecting with someone than you know if i'm constantly just staring at their face no matter how beautifully it might be rendered um and i think that i'm really conflicted about that second point Mm. in particular because the longer I spend working in a hybrid and remote setting the more I value the sort of like much more messy blended like you know I get a postcard or I'm on the radio with someone Mm. or I have a phone call or I might be text chatting (laughs) we might get to talk about today I'm not quite sure yet (laughs) I think it's um I think something I think also to keep in mind is people will respond differently to this mm-hmm. um for example i'm i'm someone who likes a lot of structure and mm-hmm. so um and it was something that you know as part of all there was structure around things like uh weekly check-ins and copy breaks and things like that um this is more like day-to-day structure so quite often in the morning as a team we just all meet every morning and, you know people come in like they do into the physical office at different times um and you know just that opportunity to say hello to people, find out how their weekend went. Um, I, it's quite interesting. It, it's only a recent development within our business, but when that didn't happen, for you know, people were busy or they were out traveling, I actually mm-hmm. felt quite lonely. It was like mm-hmm. I didn't have that kind of point in the day. Um, I think it is quite intense to you know. So we basically have a meet call with breakout rooms set up, and so we can go into different spaces as part of the day. Um, I think it can be intent too intense to do that all day, and sometimes um, you know just dipping out, or which I think is helped by the fact that you know quite often in, in the day I'll have a couple of, couple of customer calls, so mm-hmm. I have to leave that space anyway. Um, so I, th- I think for some people it, it's 
going to be harder or not as uh, beneficial to them just because perhaps like you they like more kind of they don't like the monotony of a daily let's just go and sit in this room uh, experience so I think that's one of the challenges that everyone's different in terms of how they work best and so when you start trying to dictate oh we're gonna all do this team call in the morning I think that can be quite challenging as a a manager or a leader to kind of find the balance yeah i am um, now the, the role i have um where i work freelance i work with different individuals and teams mm. and organizations and i work across them like um particularly with my individual clients i work across like different time zones in the us mm. and canada australia and europe um <laughs> i had such a nightmare a few weeks ago when we had the time change because like you know like that week say, like, when the clocks oh, didn't yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I was like, oh. you know, and like, particularly when you say like, show me at the same time as last week, and you're just like, yeah, yeah. No, that didn't work out. So, um, but I think what I've noticed is that, and yeah, I've noticed this before, is that no matter how people communicate, no matter what the interface is, whether they use Slack or Mattermost or Google Chat or, you know, whatever it is. I can always tell, I, I get a feel after like a day or two of whether this is a happy, functioning, engaged mm. workplace or whether this is a no, I don't care, yeah, I'm yeah. not engaging kind of space. And I'm curious what your thoughts are on that. Because like in the past when you and I um, talked about this, Matt, this stuff, we talked a lot about sort of, you know, reading between the lines, reading the nuances, how do people use emoji? Like how is that, <laughs> you know, like... Um, I still think about that so often like you know those nuances like and how you express yourself mm. can be quite loud on mm. text chat can't they like saying the wrong thing you know immediately like nope that didn't land well but I wonder what your feeling is like can you tell or what do you think are like the characteristics of a of a kind of happy chat channel um well I, I think that you know doing it as a, a video call I think it removes some of the uncertainty I think it's still and it was something I remember we we talked about the fact that um, in terms of cognitive load mm -hmm. video calls are, are just higher because the the head's mm -hmm. going over time in terms of um trying to look at facial expressions and so on it's probably th these kind of daily calls on so I've got my big monitor and basically I put the call at quite a small corner so I, I'm not focusing on 100% of the time so I'm I'm there and if someone asks a question or can sit in on other conversations people are having I think what was um, really eye-opening about doing this just for a short period of time is the number of um, occasions where a couple of words has unblocked something or you know we've sold something for a customer we, we're in a position where we're selling services and so that ability to just quickly brainstorm share ideas about how you can approach something I think it's actually generated quite a bit of income for the business in terms of w which could have potentially been lost um so I think it's quite difficult I think it will be very dependent on kind of your your setup and um you know I think we're probably lucky that we're only doing this with a small with our basically our team so you know six seven people so it's not I, I could immediately get far too complicated if it got bigger than that so I, I don't know if it necessarily scales mm -hmm. um and I'm also conscious that uh it's chewing up my processor in terms of keeping <laughs> <laughs> rendering a video so I will just turn you know and I think the rest of the team is if we're focusing we turn our videos off so we're still in the call we can listen and so on so asking you Martin are you there uh mm -hmm. from the 
from the ether <laughs> uh, and I can switch my camera back on and respond to um I think it's an interest I think it's something I would um encourage people to explore I don't think it's perfect um and I don't think it's gonna fit every scenario but I I've found it quite eye-opening I suppose the other thing and I think on reflection this is where we really benefit um, when we did this transition at all was it it really needs someone driving it, it needs a strong leader um essentially a sponsor that's going to go around and just encourage people keep doing this and i think that's what we had you know, with you at Alt, you were a sponsor of the technology, a sponsor of the solution. There was a lot of discussion going on to kind of not only highlight the benefits, but just checking in with people and just seeing mm. is that kind of working out as you're saying, you know, reading between lines or just trying. I'm, I'm sure you must have sent sometimes when it was just not working and kind of regrouping and trying to figure out what, what needed to change. Definitely. I think um, you're right. There were definite moments when, when things didn't work or, you know, like now mm-hmm. things don't work. And I think um, one of the um, one of the sort of messy aspects I think that comes into kind of bringing leadership to the space and and you wrote this in a blog post that you think it you know requires kind of really intentional taking yeah. off responsibility and and kind of bringing kind of leadership to it and I think one of the messy parts is that like people's lives are just so much more intertwined with work when you work from home mm-hmm. you know if you have like a small child or you're moving house decorating or you know you have a puppy like no matter what it is um, you know and like particularly in the kind of era of unaffordable heating bills you know mm. all those sorts of things really matter to to people and they make a big difference and they don't leave their worry whatever it might be at home when they come to work <laughs> they're not mm. escaping what it is that they're doing and I think uh, like I don't know a different way of dealing with this than to engage with each individual and like mm. you know have a kind of mental tally of roughly where they are currently yeah. you know it's like you know is their heating broken and they're freezing and they're like in a mm. bad place you know like so yeah I don't know what do you think about that I think there's definitely cost to it and that cost is multifaceted so it's quite interesting since in our workplace we've adopted this kind of kind of standing call um meet call each day um i actually share my office our, our home office with my wife and um uh, she's asked to move out of the home office um you know where previously you know i would have we would do a morning exchange of oh i've got a meeting at 10 11 i've got one at 11 as well i'll just go out now that um she doesn't she her awareness mechanism for when I've got a call is destroyed because I'm always on a call. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. So um, she's she's asked to move out. <laughs> so she works in an office most of the time, but she um, usually two two days a week she's at home. Um, but she's she's asked for a different corner of the house. So I've set <laughs> that up for her. So I feel a little bad about that, and I think that is the cost of this approach. Is um, I don't think it and this. it's situational I think is an aspect here so I I can I think it is really tricky doing this model when you've got you've got other people you're sharing a space a physical Mm. space with um so yeah it's not going to work for everyone every time and I'm also aware that um I'm really fortunate dedicated office um uh, somewhere from a big screen a big desk comfy chair but I'm aware even several years after the pandemic I'm, I'm aware people still just using a single laptop screen that's just madness <laughs> how can it possibly be <laughs> it's crazy it's just, 
I know. I'm sitting here with my normal size screen, just looking at one. It's so funny. Oh, and like, I definitely don't want to be the person here um, to like ask all the questions. So if you have questions that you mm. want us to discuss, like jump in. But I had one last, um, and I am very curious because you mentioned this Google Starline immersive conferencing mm. solution that you that you experienced. So I do want you to tell us a bit about this because I hadn't heard of this before you wrote about it in the blog post and I, I can't help thinking that I don't want to be closer to my mum when I conference <laughs> with her than I am <laughs> because she really tactful yeah. comments like dear you look really tired <laughs> you know so like tell me a little bit about how how what is this like and why is it fun? yeah <clears throat> So Project Starline, so you can find YouTube videos on this. Um, so it's a de dedicated video conferencing solution. And um, it basically, it's a very big screen that is um, able to project in 3D or it's it's lots of smoke and mirror. So it's mm -hmm. able to trick the, the human eye in, in, in terms of thinking without having to wear glasses or anything like that, that you look 3D image. And to get that 3D image, the technology on the caller's end is actually doing a 3D scan of their uh, head and top body. Okay. And then that's being transmitted down to the other end and they're overlaying the video. So um, in terms of staging the, the, the room that they're demonstrating this on in, they have the same backgrounds. So there, there's a, a sense of, you can still see that you're looking into a bot, um, but there's a sense of connection because that box is the same color as the back wall. So mm -hmm. um, I think it's really quite interesting in that respect in terms of, and it was quite interesting talking to one of the engineers. I said, oh, would, would you ever foresee reducing this down in scale, mobile phone or something like that? And they said, no, actually, they find that keeping a one-to-one -one scale is the most effective way of doing it. And it's quite, I think we had a, I was talking to you after I'd experienced this and I said how it was quite interesting just making the video call screen really big on my big monitor. It covers a lot of that in terms of, you know, mm. scale, connection. Um, so I think it's an interesting one kind of watch. If you can experience it, I'd highly recommend it. <laughs> you might be blown away. You might think it's smoke and mirrors, <laughs> but um, uh, yeah, it's quite interesting. So I'm going to ask you some questions that I ask all of my guests all about hybrid working, starting with um, what's your hybrid working platform of choice? Well, I have to say it, it's really from alt. I still continue working around Google. So uh, Google Meets is kind of the the core part of that, but all of Google Workspace is uh, featured in some way or another. I'm with you there. I've recently <laughs> tried using a different email program and um, boy, is that not being easy. So um, yeah, Google Workspace rules. Absolutely. I agree. Okay, cool. Question two. Um, one piece of kit and only one, Martin, not like 150, um, that you can't live without. I'm going to say monitor. Um, I have um, rationalized. I've gone, I used to, I think, have four or five monitors. I'm down to two, uh, but 
um, I've compensated by having one really big monitor. And that's the piece of tech I can't really live without now. Oh, that's funny. My, um, I had to think quite a long time about this one. And I was really tempted to go with a good chair. But I think mm. the one thing that I really can't live without is good headphones. I um, I really don't like over-ear ones. So it's taken me, I'm still looking really for the ideal heads. But yeah, um, so that's my one. Okay, yeah, mine, mine, mine are £7.99 headphones. <laughs> I, I think though, like I just can't cope with the ones. I think it's because I wear glasses yeah. I can't cope with ones that yeah. sort of have over-ear thing. Um, okay, next one. Uh, something that's non-tech that's important to you, the way you work, your hybrid working setup. So I have a special light. It's um, designed for... SAD. So um, at home, I'm in a dedicated office um, and I share with my wife and we recently did a trade. So I now have, she has the window, I have the corner. And um, so it's quite dark um, and I don't like winter. So uh, this light, I feel like really helps me in terms of, and it wasn't until someone recently asked me, uh, they knew I had a sad light and um, asked how I was finding it. It hadn't really occurred to me that it's had quite I feel quite a big impact in terms of better mood, easier to work. Um, it's not, I think for a lot of these lights, they say just put it on for a little while, while each day. I actually bounce mine off the wall. So it's on all the time. But I'm, I feel like I'm getting some benefits benefits from that. So interesting. I um, mm. I think that's so smart. What a great idea. Lots of people who work in darker, you know, offices or not near a window, I'm sure would, would really mm. be inspired by that. Talking of which, um, what kind of thing, this is our next question, makes you step away from your screen to have a break? Um, I'm, I, something I try to do every day is just go out for a walk around lunchtime. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, besides that, going to make tea is something that will quite often, and the after effects of drinking lots of tea also help me get away (laughs) from the desk as well. So, um, but I do, even regardless of the weather, I'll try and go out for a walk at lunchtime. I am. I went this morning and it was so nice actually to get out for kind of starting, you know, Mm. a really busy day. So yeah, I am. I'm with you there. But I, since I've um, started having dogs like my young dog Posey she is so good at knowing when a call comes to the end um, I try and catch her out and say something that I'm not you wouldn't <laughs> usually say like instead of saying goodbye I'll say like have a good afternoon and like she can just mm. tell from the tone of my voice or my body language that the call is over and as soon as the call is over she'll jump up and she'll be like yay we're <laughs> finished we're going some so um yeah and if I have a call back to back, she'll like, oh, okay, <laughs> <laughs> no, false alarm. That's always funny. <laughs> Is she quite patient if um, if you you can't step away? Um, she is good. Like when we, in the mornings in particular, like she'll have quite a long period of a couple of hours where she'll be very happy mm. to just doze and sleep, and she doesn't really care if she knows that if I leave my desk for longer periods, I will take my phone. So she mm. knows that if I leave the phone at the desk. I will come back quite quickly and just go and get tea or, you know, mm-hmm. um, have a comfort break. 
But so if I take my phone, she knows like we're off to another part <laughs> of the room um, or the house rather. In the afternoons, it's a different ball game. It really depends on her mood. Like some afternoons, she'll be completely antsy and some afternoons she will hardly mm-hmm. twit. So yeah, but um, she's nearly three now. So it's nice to have a bit more peace at home. That's for sure. <laughs> when she was a puppy, there was no peace. Oh. Okay, so we've got three more questions. Next question is a bit more technical. So what's your current hybrid working blend? By which I mean, how frequently do you travel or commute or go to the office? Um, So my current employment, I've been there about a year and a half. And I think I've been into the office five times. Uh, But that doesn't mean I'm not getting out and about. So quite often as as a company, we're running events or supporting events. Um, so uh, quite often we'll, we'll a small group of us will be together somewhere else, not not the office. So it's not that often, um, and it certainly I've seen more recently with more face to face events happening, um, spending more time away from my desk uh, and at events. That's really interesting. I am well in my new business of one month old. <laughs> I am I have so far had two trips. So. <laughs> <laughs> Head of the game compared to me. (laughs) (laughs) And um, thinking about kind of how you're currently working, would you go back to working in a co-located office full time again? Um, I would. I'd be really reluctant to do that. It's interesting though that um, I've got a 15 year old, so she's reached an age now where um, you know she can let herself in um, Mm -hmm. if needs to be. We've not really done that much but um less less constrained on um you know being at home i think as well my my partner is able to work flexibly as well so between us we can generally cover stuff but um yeah i'd be quite reluctant to go back into an office uh part-time full-time even though i think the balance i've got right now works quite well yeah i don't think there's anything that could take me back full-time <laughs> i am um, i'm not yeah, I'm not prepared to do that. But um, given that we're both kind of thinking hybrid or fully virtual working is the future, um, and on a bit of a lighter note, our last question. So if you had a hybrid working superpower, what would it be? I would love to be able to see um, a 2D video in 3D. I think that would... Um, uh, I was really fortunate recently to see Google's got Project Starling, which is effectively doing that. It's able to project 3D images for video mm-hmm. conference calls. And it's just quite mind-blowing, that whole experience. So I'd love to be able to do that without all the very expensive prototype equipment that I could never get <laughs> or use. Um, so I think that would really help in terms of connecting with people. It's probably quite a dull, boring superpower now I think about it. <laughs> I think so. I think it sounds really futuristic <laughs> when it comes to technology. So thanks so much for, for playing along. Well, before we go back to our conversation and talk more with our special guest, Martin Hawksey, do check out the show notes where we've included a link to a dedicated blog post we've co-written especially for this episode with links to a lot of the things we're mentioning in here to help you explore more and do a little bit of a deeper dive. But let's get back to the conversation. And I don't know if this was something we've previously talked about, uh, pre-tap, pre-pandemic, I would um, I'd voice call my parents and that mm-hmm. then it became video calls and th- those have stuck. So is that, do you find, is that the pandemic and kind of your um, knowledge of uh, remote working 
and collaboration has that changed the way that you connect with friends and family or is it stayed the same <laughs> ah, that's such an interesting question um i think you're going to be horrified of what i'm about to say <laughs> so um with my parents because as you know they live in germany and um we have done so we did video call when i was when video calling wasn't that usual yet because we were early adopters were a distributed family and we didn't see each other very often um <laughs> and as I'm my parents main tech support we do a lot of video calling and um recently my mom has learned how to screen share <laughs> so this was a, a a huge deal you know um now she just needs to understand the term window and menu and we're home and right so the square within on the top left <laughs> is generally a good descriptor here um yeah absolutely um so we do video calling so then in terms of my my sister she refuses to video call it's only whatsapp and i have several good friends who are in similar um areas one friend i have only does phone calls one friend i have only uses threema which is an end-to-end encrypted messaging service. Right. <laughs> and we leave each other voicemail. And then one of my friends and I um, mainly communicate via postcards. So I basically have a Luddite friendship yeah, circle yeah. because none of my friends believe in video calling. <laughs> um, so yeah, there you go. <laughs> mm, real mix. <laughs> I, um, you got it all. Yeah, I do, yeah. And I really like the, you know, I really like the difference, the different modes of engagement. But I do, um, so the work I've been doing more recently, the coaching piece, um, I do a lot of the coaching via video call. And one of the mm-hmm. skills in the training I did for that, which was really interesting and very specific to video calling, is how to kind of be as unobtrusive as possible while being in a video call and how to be as, you know, like you kind of, you know, make your facial expressions, your gestures, anything you try and minimize to not distract the person from thinking um, and to kind of try and project a kind of calm and non-judgmental kind of open atmosphere where they can kind of just say whatever they want to say um, and, you know, think through whatever they need to think through. So it's been really fascinating because that is so hard, you know, and mm. I, I do that for like this week, I'm coaching for six hours. And that means I spent nearly six hours sitting practically still and more or less quiet in front of a screen while I'm <laughs> holding space for something. Mm. And that's a really interesting like skill to develop that prior to coaching, I never really practiced. So that has been really fascinating to learn. I think it's going to be quite interesting in terms of the technology where that comes into it. Um, I think one of the things you might have talked about was there, there was um, a video project where, it, you know, we talked about um, expressions and you know mm-hmm. how harder it is to to read the expression. And I think I mentioned a video project where they could amplify, mm-hmm. so they actually used it, take a regular camera, um, and amplify the image when a baby's sleeping, so you could see when it stopped breathing. Mm-hmm. Um, so originally, I, I think I, I was going along the lines of, "Oh, wouldn't it be like huge grins when you're happy because your video is amplified?" But maybe it needs to go the other way in terms of the technology muting your facial expressions um, to kind of make them stiller. Something I use a lot with particularly with customer calls is um, I've got a video software that does um, gives me a, a, a fixed, basically gives eye contact. So it, I got artificial intelligence 
eyes. This is not going to work on audio, but this might work for Marin. I might, wow. I don't know if you're going to, I can't see. I've muted my own video on this, but um, yeah. so my eyes are, are tracking Marin. So I can look around the room, I can look at all my monitors, and um, the software's compensating and see if I, I can't get my. <laughs> artificial icon yeah yeah sometimes if i hold things up you can see my eyes on top pieces of paper it's a bit freaky you can freak out customers that way never heard of that before i'm very interested in in finding out more i'll need to get a link from you and put it in the show yeah so it's nvidia broadcasters so we're piece of software you can install and so it's got a couple of things it's got icon eye contact beta it it's called but it's been around for a long time but yeah that's incredible i've literally never heard of that before mm. and i think we've gotten to the stage in the podcast now where we're kind of like i've got a bit of time left and i want to kind of quiz you a little on the future um and this can be as serious or not as you want it to be mm -hmm. and also if you have any questions about you know anything you want to ask me then and this is a good time but yeah i wonder like what are your thoughts about the future of hyper i think it well, it was one of the really interesting things in terms of the um, legislation you're highlighting as part of the post. I think, I think you know, times have changed. I think businesses recognize, um, hopefully they recognize there's value. I, I you know, definitely thought Alt really benefited from, you know, having the whole country as its kind of uh, potential candidates for, for jobs. Um, so uh, I think that it's definitely here to stay. I think there are definitely areas where jobs like mine. I think it's a lot easier. Everyone's having other considerations. But um, um, so, yeah. But um, one question I've got for you, Marin, is mm -hmm. you took all our ramblings and put them in a book. <laughs> what was your, in terms of that process, was there anything? Because, um, you know, in it was really enjoyable doing those blog posts, but I was always conscious that it was kind of blurting out mm -hmm. stuff. Was there anything that you reread and uh, raised an eyebrow or <laughs> you thought to yourself uh, what were we thinking <laughs> that's a great question and I did have um I think I had lots of moments when I was rereading the material for the book and kind of you know adding the kind of new research to it mm. where I was genuinely surprised how much the research lined up with what we did mm. because like I don't think either one of us did that much research yeah. I think it was much like <laughs> yeah, stream yeah. of consciousness this is what's happened this week um and it was it was quite <laughs> impressive to see how much our sort of personal observations aligned with you know um studies in like the Harvard mm. Business Review or you know like as learned later the Google you know um research on workplace efficiency and things um and i always remember that podcast episode we did with the um, with the manager from google and he was like we do this and we were like yeah we do this too <laughs> and i just thought how funny that yeah. like uh, a huge global corporation has some of the same challenges as our tiny 10 person team for a not-for-profit in the UK. But so I think there were a couple of things that I remember really distinctly. And I think in the very, very beginning, when we started blogging about it, we talked about sort of from the first blog post, which was about, you know, emptying out our office and taking boxes and closing the door and stuff. In the very beginning, we often blogged about how frequently we would all meet up. Mm. And I think uh, originally before the transition when most of our colleagues were still based in one area and we were planning to meet up every fortnight you know or every month and I think that 
never had like I think mm. by the third blog post by the third month we hadn't met yeah and I think that surprised me in retrospect not that we didn't meet but that we thought we would have to meet so often mm. but I think it just goes to show how much when you're not in a pandemic you you think about these things um so yeah um that was one and I wonder mm. what you make of that um, and then I think the other one was that some of the, it wasn't like something that didn't line up, but I think some of the pandemic kind of negated some of the um, things we were trying to do, you know, because it just made it impossible to meet. And mm. when I reread some of those blog posts, I think at the time we were so busy, you know, running a small organization and keeping things afloat for everyone and ourselves as well. I think we kind of, um, we were maybe really overly ambitious about what's achievable yeah. in a global pandemic, you know, and how much of a toll that took on people. And, mm. I, you know, I don't think we were alone in making that misjudgment. You know, I don't think many people who were like reflecting on their business in real time made the right kind of predictions mm. in March or April 2020. But mm. I think when I reread those posts, like they felt much more heartbreaking than I realized at the time, you know, like mm. rereading them like a year or two later, I was like, oh my God, you know, that, that we weren't just thrilled that we were all still standing was like, you know, seemed like a harsh reality. Mm. Recently, I uh, within our company, there's a focus on continued learning, professional development. So we had a learning festival where we could all just offer a topic, a course to talk about. So I, I did a course. I took um, Lorna Campbell's How to Blog slides and I, I basically talked to them in a small group. But the thing I added um, in terms of different types of blogs was the reflective, you know, conversational blogging. Mm -hmm. And um, it was quite, as I was talking about, I got quite emotional in terms of suddenly that whole because a lot of it was during the pandemic and I think things were so moving so quickly and there were so, so many unknowns that I think mentally I just kind of threw it to the mm -hmm. back of the cupboard and forgot about it and um, so it was talking about that as an experience and a way for people to structure their writing actually was quite emotional for me I, and it came from nowhere wasn't expecting that at all um, so i I don't know if that's necessarily about hybrid working or pandemics, but um, maybe, well, that was, I'm now thinking, piecing it together in my mind. One of the other aspects of um, blogging I talked about, of course, was it's con contemplative therapy. And that's probably mm -hmm. what it was. It was contemplative ther therapy at the time to um, talk about what we were doing. Um, yeah. So really quite interesting. That's probably a slight aside <laughs> in terms you know, of... <laughs> yeah, I don't so I think you're actually like I think you're articulating this so so well because there is one part of hybrid working and being a remote worker that is just so lonely you know it's a really mm. isolating thing and one of the most powerful aspects of any you know blogging about your own practice but I think the hybrid work blogging that we used to do is a great example of that is that it really helps overcome some of that isolation mm. and it helps also other people gain an understanding of what your reality is like you mm. know because like even of people I know really well and I work with day to day, I have no idea what their day to day really mm. is like. And that is one of the things I really try and get people to think about when I talk about hybrid mm. working. And one of the things I put in the book is, you know, there is so much context going on that you never see or hear mm. or think about. You know, I don't know what your office smells like. I don't know what the noises in your house are. I don't know how busy things are for you. And I don't know that for anyone mm. I work with, you know, and 
And so I think that that blogging is therapy and blogging is sharing. I think that mm. for me, that really resonates. Mm. So I suppose I'm glad that well, you mentioned that. You know, we, we've talked a lot about video, but I, I suppose that that is the thing to keep in mind. And I think perhaps we've touched upon this is that it's not just about video calls or chat spaces. Um, it's, you know, just look finding things that support your team in terms of um, the bigger picture the longer term stuff mm. um, aspects of the day-to-day but you know longer longer term stuff in terms of mm. i am um, given that we're recording this and like you know winter time or, or getting towards <laughs> the festive season um and maybe that's a nice thought to kind of conclude on as well. Um, I really loved some of the stuff we did at all by post. You know, like I loved Secret Santa by post. And um, in the in the course I was doing recently, I shared the example of the positive feedback by post kind of postcards that I designed. Mm. And I really like, you know, like I know it's not possible for every organization. And it is one of those things that scales really badly. And there's GDPR and so on and so forth. I'm aware of that. But I really like sometimes getting something practical, physical, like that I can hold in my hand from, you know, people I don't usually see. And that I've got the fondest memories of like packing Christmas parcels for like everyone mm, in our mm. team and stuff. And what do you think about that? I'm smiling because it seems our business just constantly sending us water bottles and I'm saying not enough water bottles. The marketing department. Yeah. Google are constantly sending me mug. Um (laughs) my Google doesn't understand. But I think what, what's important about what you're talking about, it's not let's get a hundred water bottles and send them out. It's let's write, let's contemplate, let's think about something that we want to share. Um, or you know, a very personalized one or something that um yeah. you, you give someone um sign of appreciation or you know, that connection as well, in terms of mm-hmm. um, you know, I've got my bits of lego i've still got my little corner marin oh nice got my I like that. Yeah. you know i um my my corner and for those of you um who are not familiar with this so we um we took the the principle of having a sort of place in your home office of having mm. things that matter to you and i now um have right above my desk like a pin board and a little shelf where i can keep things like that that are precious to me mm. and um and yeah i really enjoy that as well wow that oh, is well. definitely some new ones oh nice a little cactus family um, made yeah yeah a duck so. <laughs> hybrid working crocheting the book <laughs> is coming soon <laughs> it's funny um these courses we were doing internally uh, someone else did, did crochet um wow. so someone else did curing making your own bacon mm-hmm. so I think that's a, in terms of, we talked about, you know, giving postcards or something, small gifts to people, um, thinking about how, you know, people in your business can do, you know, these small courses of their interests, I think is a nice way, uh, you know, when I did my blogging course, there was only a small group of six, but um, four of those people I'd never met in our Mm -hmm. business. Um, So I think those are opportunities. I think if you you are working in a bigger organization struggling to get people talking to each other because they're online and not in in the office together i think that's a nice way of doing it. and you can i really love that <laughs> oh wow um for the non-vegetarian someone said that sounds like a really delicious idea but um thank you so much for sharing that and you know i i think there's going to be a lot of 
um, inspiration taking away from the episode. Um, I think we're basically out of time. So any last words before we wrap up? Yeah, let's not wait as long to do the next one. I want I want to come back, Marin. Please, please, can I come back? <laughs> Excellent. I think we have a regular special guest on our books, which you're very welcome to. <laughs> I'm particularly keen to hear how your life-size monitor experiment continues. <laughs> <laughs> Martin, thank you so much for coming on. And no, thank you. Um, yeah, speak again to you really soon. Thank you. Bye. virtual team. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And as always, you can find the links to the tools and resources we talked about in the show notes or head over to marandeepwell.com forward slash podcast.